morning to each one. It's been a uh, challenge to be here this morning. Appreciate each one that shared DV devotional Sunday school class uh, that was part of as well. Often when I preach, I have something that I've been thinking about for a long time, weeks, months even. Uh, you know, we kind of decided about the middle of the week that I'd be preaching this Sunday. I didn't have anything in mind at all. and Had a busy week there and just, I don't know, just didn't have anything. And uh, yesterday I was like, I got to get some direction on a message. And yesterday morning I kind of looked at some things and thought I kind of knew where I could get, maybe go. And last night I sat down and it just wasn't coming together. And I prayed a little bit. And I got to looking at some old notes. Thought maybe I could find an old message I could just uh, revamp and use it again. And couldn't really find anything. And then I found... <clears throat> found uh, some notes in my computer, and according to the date on there, I'm assuming it's right, they're almost 10 years old, and it uh, must have been a devotional, because that was way before I was preaching, uh, and so I, I, guess it, I guess they struck a chord, because it was something, it's kind of how I felt, and uh, they were combine it with some other, uh, some other thoughts that I had already. Um, and so that's what I want to look at this morning. I just, I just wanted to share that, that. And I feel like the the last several times I've preached, um, maybe it's been a bit heavy or a bit, a bit preachy. Uh, and I'd like to preach a, something opposite, but I, I feel like this is maybe a little bit that way again. But it's, it's because that's, that's what I'm dealing with, and that's what... Yeah, and I just felt very clearly that God laid the, showed this to me again, and uh, so I'm going to share it. And it's if 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 it, nobody gets anything out of it but me, it's okay uh, because I feel like uh, I think you understand um, why I say that here in a minute. <clears throat> How is our heart this morning? What is it? What is, what is your heart? Bibles. Talks about different a heart. We talk about well, this guy's got a good heart or a bad heart, or you know, we're not usually not talking about physical heart. We had uh, did some butchering the last while, and we'd gotten uh, cut some hearts out of some hogs and cattle, and and uh, we're looking at them a little bit. Uh, Should have may have brought one. Uh, I don't know how many of you want to see a bloody heart. But that's not really what we're talking about when we talk about a heart. And I don't know what you think of. What do you think of when you think of um, when you read uh, uh, the Beatitudes? I've got that uh, verse here, Matthew five eight. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What do you What do you think of when you think of that heart? I don't think it just. I don't think it means that the blessed is the person who doesn't have any high blood pressure or high cholesterol or any heart issues. Although that would be a blessing. It says, for they shall see God. In fact, if you have those kind of heart issues, you might see God quicker than if you don't. So uh, I don't think that's what he's talking about. Uh, 
so what is what is he talking about? And I don't, I don't know how to put that to words. I, I, there's something you know. I have a picture in my mind. I think, it, but I think it's, our, it's who we are. It's our character, uh, our our desires, our yeah, what drives us. It's the core of our being, and that's you know you can't live without a heart. You just can't do it. Your heart and your head are two things. You you don't see anybody around without a heart. It's a dead body if it is. It's impossible. They haven't. They come up with vials, artificial, but they haven't. I've never heard of an artificial heart. Do heart transplants now? <clears throat> Got to have a heart. What's at the core of your being? Who are you? What if we went to a spiritual heart doctor? What would he say? Do we have spiritual high blood pressure? Do we have a heart murmur? Do we have a failing heart? Is it an unhealthy heart? Matthew 15, verse 11, says, Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, that defileth a man. So we can't. It's not, he was talking to the Jews, and they were, they were trying to say, well, you eat this, you know, eat this or this or this. That's not, that'll defile you. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not the point. It's what's coming out. It shows, what's coming out shows what's in your heart. And what we put in comes back out. James chapter 3, look at that a little bit. It's talking about the, the passage where it talks about the tongue can no man tame, but it's full of deadly poison and things. Uh, let's read James 3, starting in verse 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Something ain't right. Verse 11, doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? You know, we, a lot of us have springs that we drink our water out of. It doesn't have good water one day and then bad water the next, and then we just never know, not unless there's some contaminant. It's not how it works. It's either good water or it's bad water. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and do with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of the righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. What's coming out of our mouth? What shows what our heart is like? Psalm 24, 3 to 5. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who's going to go? It's a question mark. Who shall dwell in his holy hill? Hope we all want to be there, don't we? It says, He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. 
Do we speak truth in our heart? Are we honest with ourselves? Verse 3, He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is condemned, for he, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. So that's actually the entire chapter, I believe, of Psalm... Uh, Psalm... Uh, well, I think it's Psalm 15, I believe. Didn't write the reference down. There's some, there's some signs, what I'm getting at here, of a pure heart. Those that want to abide in his tabernacle, dwell in his holy hill, speaketh truth in his heart, work righteousness. Back, don't, he doesn't backbite with his tongue. He doesn't do evil to his neighbor. He honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. I think that's talking about an honest person. And he sometimes he made a promise. It's it's no longer. It turns out it was a bad a bad commitment, and he's going to lose money. He's going to it's going to be a disadvantage for him, but he does it anyway because he honors his word. Are we that kind of people, or do we try to wiggle our way out of it? Well, you know, I, I you know, and sometimes I think it's okay to tell people that. Well, you know, that wasn't what I thought. Is there any way we could change this? But I think sometimes we just need to just do what we said, even if it hurts, and even if it costs us money or whatever. He that putteth not out his money to usury, doesn't charge interest, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. Taking advantage of innocent people. The Bible is extremely hard against that. It shows our character, who we are. If we're worried about ourselves and getting ahead, selfishness, our heart, our pride, proud heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Are you pure in heart this morning? That's a little bit of a preview to think about our heart and who we are, what the Bible says about our heart. And maybe we'll talk a little bit more about it later. <clears throat> the uh, okay, I thought I missed a verse right here. It's Psalm twenty-four, verse three through five it says, "Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in His holy place?" He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Again, another question. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Do you have clean hands and a pure heart this morning? How is your heart? Your heart alive and well? Is it healthy? Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to be there for quite a while. Ezekiel chapter 37. This is the story of the vision of the dry bones. Dad, if you've uh, you got some papers right there, would you put one on each side? I'd like to pass those around. This is a picture I got off the web. Um, and I want every one of you to just stare at that picture for about five seconds and then pass it along to the next person. Just let it sink in. Look at that. That looks terrible. There's nothing healthy about that. I didn't think about bringing some tape, but we got one up here anyway. As we read about that, this, as we read this chapter, Let's think about the valley of the dry bones. They put a little image in our head. I'm going to start reading Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. I encourage you to follow along if you can. 
Ezekiel 37, verse 1, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and sent, set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. Verse 8, And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, and cause you to come up out of your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it, and performed it, saith the Lord. So I think this is a prophecy. Uh, we're talking to Israel here, and, and as we go on through here, we're going to see him pointing forward um, to Christ's kingdom. Uh, but how is our heart? I think this last couple of weeks, this has been how my heart's been looking like that a little bit. <clears throat> Hope not quite that bad. But it's been dry. What are we going to do about it? And these were so bad that the Ezekiel, he had, the Lord asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? He said, Lord, you know. <laughs> he, he didn't even quite dare. He, he thought they probably could, I think, but he, he didn't dare say. And if we look at this picture, I mean, there is nothing there. Those, those bones have been there for a long time. I mean, there is no flesh at all. It says they were very dry. This wasn't something that happened last week. This was something that happened a long time ago. There was no sign of life. And yet, he says they can live, and they did. If God can bring that back. I don't care how cold our heart is, how dry our bones are. God can restore flesh upon them. Do we have some dead bones in our lives? What about us as a church? Do we have some dead bones that need some life? The church will not have life if the members are full of dead bones. So we each have a responsibility. Do we feel the responsibility to keep the dead bones out of our lives for the sake of the kingdom? It doesn't affect just us. 
Jesus said in Matthew 23, 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward. But you remember what he says? But are within full of dead men's bones, and of all uncleanness. Look good on the outside. That's a very common thing. We can hide it very easily. Our hearts are full of dead men's bones. I had here it can happen easier than we might think. Do we drift away and grow cold? One of the first signs of death is the body becomes cold. Becomes lukewarm and then cold. Same way in our spiritual life. One of the first signs of death. Do we even care? Just writing some things down. I'd written down 10 years ago when we looked at this passage. There are many temptations in life. Do we allow hard things to make us bitter or better? Christ triumphed over death to give us life. Jesus rose from the dead. So must we rise from the dead. It's God's desire. It is God's desire that we are alive and vibrant in our Christian walk. Just like Ezekiel saw this valley of dry bones. He saw them restored with flesh and with life and with health. Notice there was a, a shaking Sometimes we need to be shook up a little in our walk. Take some, take some doing. And the bones came together in verse 7, bone to his bone. When I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above. So then we had, a, at least we had flesh, but there was still no life. What did it take? Prophesy unto the wind, he says. Prophesy, son of man. Say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. In verse 10, Ezekiel says, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Just like everything God does, it was a massive thing. It was a massive success. He didn't just... Bring one of them back to life, but all of them, a huge army. Ephesians 2, verse 1, and you, you, hath he quickened. Made alive is what that word means in Greek. You hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Same principle now in the New Testament, in the spiritual sense. We were dead. Now we're made alive through Christ. Ephesians 5 again, verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Colossians 2, 13. And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all, you all trespasses. And dead in our sins, made alive, washed with the blood of Jesus. Romans 8, 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. The power of God is there. The spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead, that powerful spirit is alive to make, is there to help us bring life to our spiritual heart. Colossians 3, verse 1, if you then be risen with Christ, 
Then we seek those things which are above. Our focus is not on the earth anymore. It's on the things that are above. Or Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And then I wrote here, do we maybe love death a little bit too much? Does it take too much effort to stay alive? In our natural bodies, physical bodies, you know, we, 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 a lot of us eat more than we should. And we breathe without even really thinking about it. How, I wonder how long we would live if we had to, every breath we had to take, we had to try to breathe. We get tired of it. And we just give up, I wonder. Or if we had to eat, we didn't really have that, that feeling of hunger, so we tried to force ourselves to eat. What about in our spiritual life? Do we have to force ourselves to breathe? Do we, do we have to try to make ourselves eat? Or are we hungry and thirsty after righteousness? That's another one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are you that hunger and thirst after righteousness, or you will be filled. If someone's not hungry and they're withering away, we say they're sick. Same way in our spiritual life. Am I sick? I believe I am a little bit sick. And you go to the doctor, the great physician. Do we maybe love death a little too much? Are we inspired? Do we have a testimony? What do we say? Somebody asks us. We, need, we should probably work on that. Ask each other, well, what's the Lord done in your life this week? What would you say? Has he done anything? We find ourselves full of dead bones, dying, cold. Are we going to do something about it? It's God's will that we be restored to life, just like this valley of the dry bones. Isaiah 57 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also, that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, neither will I, always, will I be always wroth. For the spirit should fail before me in the souls which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth and smote him. I hid me and, I, and was wroth. And he went on frowardly in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. Return, you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. For God so loved the world, in John three sixteen, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with who? The contrite and a humble spirit, a humble heart. That's what it takes to dwell with God. <clears throat> As I look back over my life, the life of us as a congregation. When did we... When we started using our phones with internet, I think is when I started getting cold. Can I be that honest? 
been much more of a struggle. Maybe it's just because I was getting older and, and you have a tendency to get busy. That's part of it. There's a little thing on your phone. You can go on there and you can look exactly how many much time you spend on each app every day. challenge you to do that. Let's try to get our prayer and our Bible reading up there with that. And I think, we're, I think our, our hearts will be, if we, if we find ourselves, maybe you don't find yourself, I'm just saying for myself, but I, I see symptoms in some of, some of the rest of us here too, if I can be that honest. I challenge each one of us. Hold each other accountable. Hold me accountable. Ask me next Sunday how I've done this week, especially Stephen and Paul, but all the rest of you too. How I've done. I think there's many people that, that have that have self-control and that, that are able to, to deal with those things, but I'm not that good at it. I don't have that much. I've always often said that's a very weak point in my life is self-control and and uh, I'm thinking of, I want to think of another word, but uh, uh, it's not the other word I'm looking for, but the uh, uh, yeah, being able to, to, to control myself and my desires and to be disciplined. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, I'm not a very disciplined, disciplined person. Revelation chapter 3, uh, verse 1, he's talking to the angel of the church in Sardis. He says, Right, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and what, and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. That's what it takes, some repentance. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So he says if you don't straighten up, if you don't repent, it's going to come as a thief, and you won't know what happened to you, basically. <clears throat> Go back to Ezekiel chapter 37. That chapter's not over with yet. It's a very dark time in Israel's history. He's saying, he's calling them to repentance. I want to read the rest of the chapter now. Ezekiel chapter 37. We read down through uh, verse uh, 14, I believe. <clears throat> verse 15, he changes his tune a little bit. He said, The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, So this is now kind of a new, a new vision. Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick and write upon it, for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick and write upon it. For Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions, and join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. And when the children of thy people shall speak unto thee, saying, Wilt thou not show us what thou meanest by these? Say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel his fellows, and will put them with him, even with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in mine hand." 
And the sticks whereon thou writest shall be in thine hand before their eyes. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they have gone, and will gather them on every side, and bring them into their own land. And if you, on the side reference of my Bible, it references over to uh, Numbers and, and Chronicles. And I looked up a little bit, I didn't study that like I, I was going to study that some more, and I kind of forgot. But it's this thing of if each tribe having a stick. And he, what he, the point I think he's, he wants to make is he's going to bring them all together. He wants to bring, God is always about restoration. And bringing people together, that's what God is always about. And that's, that's the point of this little passage. Let's keep reading here. Verse 22, And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king to them all. And they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. And, and if, I want to point out a few things. And he's going into prophecies of the, the New Testament kingdom. And, and, and I'm not sure, some of this is a little bit, a lot of these things in the Old Testament, these prophecies, they, they fit. And you guys, how just God layers these things in here, and you're not sure what all they're applying to. But I think most times they're applying in two different, um, to the current state of Israel uh, in that time, and then also pointing to the New Testament church. And it's just, it's layered, and it does that on purpose. It's things pointing forward, prophecy, Verse 23 says, Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will save them out of all their dwelling places, wherein they have sinned, and will cleanse them, so shall they be my people, and I will be their God. And listen here, this is one reason I say it has to be pointing toward the church. And David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd, and they shall also walk in my judgments, and observe my statutes, and do them. You say, well, David... What do you mean, David? This is long past the time of David, but Jesus was of the line of David. I think that's what he's talking about, is Jesus, because if you go on uh, uh, in this next verse now, and they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt, and they shall dwell therein, even they and their children, and their children's children forever, and my servant David shall be their prince for how long? Forever. So he can't be talking about the literal King David, he's talking about Jesus. That's a high priest, our king forever and ever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. That also sounds like the New Testament, does it not? It shall be an, for an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them, and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them, yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel, when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forever. What a beautiful picture. But it comes right after that valley of dry bones. And then he gives this beautiful picture of restoration with God. Dwelling with God. Our king forever. All together. The gospel of the kingdom. How is our heart? Are we on fire for the Lord this morning? Are we doing the will of God on earth as it is in heaven? That's what building the kingdom is all about. What's coming out of your mouth? Is it life or is it dry bones? Maybe we give that as a title for the message. I didn't give a title. Life or dry bones? What is your testimony this morning? Got a few more scriptures. Ezekiel, oh, it's, it's a book that's easy to forget about, but there's some beautiful passages in here. Ezekiel chapter 11. I want to read, a, read some verses there. Ezekiel 11. We're winding down here. Just a couple more scriptures. Verses 16 to 21. Thinking again about our hearts. 
how our hearts are. Ezekiel 11, verse 16. It says, Therefore say, Thus saith the Lord God, Although I have cast them far off among the heathen, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet will I be to them as a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. Doesn't that sound like the church? Yet he's talking about Israel. Again, this is layered prophecy, I think. I have scattered them among the countries, yet will I be to them as little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. Verse 17, Therefore say, Thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. That sounds like um, in Revelation. We have people from every kindred and tribe and people and nation. Verse 18, They shall come thither, and they shall take away all the detestable things thereof, and all the abominations thereof from thence. And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart, out of their flesh, and will give them an heart of flesh. God can give us a new heart. If our heart is stone, it's got some rocks, if it's got a problem, if we need to go to the heart doctor, God here just give us a new heart. He's a, he was in the heart transplant business long before anybody else was. That they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances. This is his will now. It's what he wants us to do. Walk in his statutes, keep his ordinances, and do them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. But as for them whose heart walketh after the heart of their detestable things, and their abominations, I will recompense their way upon their own heads, saith the Lord God. Yeah, we've got to throw that warning in there. But if you don't, I've got to recompense things upon your own heads. We get what we have coming to us. be interesting to do a study. On how many times in the Old Testament, or, and probably in the New too, this thing of, he brings this thing up, that I will be their God. How does it say here in verse 20? They shall be my people and I will be their God. Over and over and over, God calls for that in the Bible. In different ways, words are a little different. He's always, that's what God wants. He wants to be our God, he wants us to be his people. All right, I guess go to Ezekiel chapter 36 yet. Verses 20 to 29. Ezekiel 36, verse 20. And when they entered into the heathen, when they entered unto the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, These are the people of the Lord, and are gone forth out of his land. They said these are the people of God, but they profaned his name, he says. But I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel hath profaned among the heathen, whither they went. Verse 22, Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord." So yet the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes, for I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness. Sounds almost like baptism, doesn't it? We're just talking about that. I'll clean you from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. God doesn't, he can't have filth, he can't have idols. Verse 26, he says, A new heart also will I give you, 
and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Almost exact same verse as earlier in Ezekiel. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. Just exactly like what I just said. Keeps bringing this up. You will be my people, I will be your God. That's what God wants. I also will save you from all your uncleanness. We don't have to worry about cleaning ourselves, and, and, and yet there's some work to it. But God will do that for us. He will, if we allow Him to, if we spend time with Him in His Word and prayer. Where was I at? Verse 29. I will also save you from all your uncleanness, and I will call you, and I will call for the corn, and will increase it, and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree, and the increase of the field, and you shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Then shall you remember your own evil ways, and your doings that were not good, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Not for your sakes do I this, saith the Lord God. Be it known unto you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will cause you to dwell in the cities, and the waste shall be builded, and the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. And they shall say, this land was desolate, that was desolate, is become like the garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited reading more than I was going to, but I can't stop. Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places, that valley of dry bones. Now it's a garden of Eden. You shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that which was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of, by, in, for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men, like a flock, as the holy flock, as the flock of Jerusalem in her solemn feast. So shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of men, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? God wants us to prosper. He just loves to see us. He says, and I think we need to spiritualize this. He says, He's not going to send a famine. He's going to make sure we follow Him with our whole heart. We allow Him to give us that heart of flesh. He's not going to let any famine come. In this desolate land, we turn to the Garden of Eden. Hallelujah to our great God. <clears throat> I think that's all I have. Instead of, a, uh, instead of uh, our normal prayer, I'd like to, if we could all stand up and grab your, your songbooks and want to sing a prayer.